This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. Hey, you can have a seat. And while you do, hey, turn to your neighbor and tell them, man, I, I knew I was supposed to have you tell them something, but I forget what that was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell them, um, I guess you had to have been there. Go ahead and touch your neighbor. Say, I guess you had to have been there. Right now. Turn to your neighbor. Guess you had to be there. Turn to the other one and say, I guess you had to be there. That statement is generally, uh, generally follows an attempt on your part to explain something to someone that's just not quite getting it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like an encounter that you had or an experience that you had, and you're trying to uh, have them capture the excitement of the moment. You're trying to have them capture the, the passion of it, and they're just kind of nodding their head. Their eyes get all glassy, you know, over, and like you're just not getting it, right? And then ultimately you end up saying, well, I guess you just had to be there. I believe with all my heart that following Jesus is a lot like that. That it's one of those things that if all you ever do in your life is just to, to hear the stories, you know, uh, that, that God has given us through his word, or just to see the stories of life change in other people, but you never experience it for yourself, I don't believe that that's what God wants for us. In fact, that's kind of why we're, we're starting this series tonight called Open House, where we're just kind of opening wide the doors of Elevate Church, and we're t discussing some like of our four core qualities that really uh, make this church different. It doesn't make it better than the church down the street, but it does make it different. And I believe that, that there should be a lot of different flavors of God's church. We're all in this together trying to reach and change the spiritual climate in our, our city. So we're going to talk about these for the next four weeks. And the first one is the most important one. And that's the one we're talking about tonight. And that is encountering God. Encountering God. I believe God wants us all in this room to have an encounter with him. Again, it's not enough to come into church, to sit down, to go through a church service, go through a worship experience, you know, sing some songs, have some cool lights, have some video going on, have a phenomenal message every single week. It's just not enough to do that. And this church was never built on the premise that that was going to be enough, that we needed something more. And I believe tonight, many of you in this room, you don't know it, but you're going to have a God encounter. I believe God wants to, to invade your life in, in a powerful and, and regular way for many of us. And I believe there's a lot of scriptural support for that. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. That's where we're, we're going to be in just a little bit. Um, and I just want to start with this premise. God never intended just to be examined. He wanted to be encountered. It's not enough just to study, you know, God. Uh, that's one of the aspects of what we do. But I believe he wants to be encountered 
as well. And the stories that, that are written throughout Scripture, those stories are there to inspire you, inspire me to, to have an encounter of our own. They're important, but they're meant to inspire us. We put our foundation at this church uh, the foundation of our faith in the word of God, but it's really those encounters with God that, that help to confirm that in our lives, that help to strengthen that in our lives, and they really become the proof of what we've chosen to believe by faith. And that's why step one, really in this process, encountering God, is the most important step for many of us. And before we kind of dive in too much tonight, I want you to know, obviously, this is uh, Baptism Sunday, and we've, we've had baptisms all day long. So the service has been set up this way that I'm going to get done early. That doesn't mean you get to leave early. All right? I'm getting done early because after the message, we're going to continue to celebrate. We're going to continue to sing. We're going to worship. We already saw 45-plus people take that step and get baptized outside. And it was awesome. And we video that in live from here while we keep singing. It's just going to be a great, great night. So we've planned that into this evening. So if I tend to rush tonight and get through this material, it's because I have to, all right? So you guys have to listen really, really fast tonight as we talk through this stuff. Um, and I want to say this. I don't believe that every, every encounter that you're ever going to have with God is just going to be some mind-blowing experience. I don't believe they're always going to be this burning bush experience like Moses had. I don't believe it's always going to be this, this, this bright light, you know, that, that knocks you on your rear end like, like Paul had. Paul went from this, this executioner of Christians to, to church planner, you know, and he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and just, he just got blinded by this light and actually heard the voice of God. I don't believe every encounter is going to be like that. In fact, in fact, I'll say this. I'm not sure God will ever do the same thing twice in your life. I mean, he only burned the bush once, right? He only burned the bush once. He only spoke through the bush one time. And I'm so grateful that Moses didn't come back from the mountain and said, hey, you know, this is the way that God speaks to us. He only speaks through this bush because if that was the case, it would have never happened Again, you know, for Moses or for any of us. And I say that because it's possible for, for, for people, maybe even churches, to build a doctrine based on past experiences and completely miss the future experiences that God wants to do in their life. We have to be really careful. Careful not to try to reproduce those things that have happened, not to try to reproduce those God moments, those encounters that, that we've had, the things that have happened in the past. So let's look at this, 2 Corinthians 3, 16. I'm gonna read this out of the message tonight. This is what it says, if you're there. Whenever, though, they turn their face, turn to face God as Moses did. They, tonight, that's you, all right? The they, that is you. You're the they. God removes the veil. I want to stop here. The veil. Every time you see the veil mentioned in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, it is a barrier. It is something that separates us from God. It's this, this veil, this barrier. In fact, I'll say this. Every person in this room, you have one. You have something. You have some barrier that separates you from God. It could be some cyclical sin pattern in your life. 
that you just can't seem to get beyond. It could be your, some doctrinal prejudice that you have. It could be your attitude and your approach to God. There's something, there's a barrier. We all have this veil that separates us from God. And the reason um, that we pray every single week here at Elevate Church in some way, shape, or form is this prayer that says, God, open up our eyes. Open up our, our hearts, our ears. Let us hear you. Let us remove all those barriers and have you speak directly to our hearts. So the Bible says anytime we decide to turn our face toward God, turn our attention to him, that he removes that veil, that barrier, and then keep reading, and there they are face to face. And suddenly they recognize that God is a living, personal presence. My prayer every single week is that you have that kind of encounter, that you turn to God. He removes that barrier and that you recognize that you can have a personal encounter. You can have a personal relationship with him, that you can know him, that God is real, not just a piece of chiseled stone, kind of like my abs. It's not that way. It's not what it's saying. It says that God is not just the statue, not just this thing that, that we, we think about when we think about God or just even these written down statutes, but he's someone that, that we can know personally. I mean, this is, this is huge. We turn our face toward God. He removes the veil, that barrier. He shows up. We realize he's real, and then it says this, and when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation. You know what that is? That's that That's that. I'm doing this the same old way I used to. The same old, same old. I, I, you know, I get up, I read my Bible, it's the same old, same old. I, you know, it's just kind of like I just go through the routine of it. I'm not getting anything out of it, but I'm going through the routine. The same old, I get up, I go to church. You know, I just, I just go through the motions. I go to church, drop my kids off in the kids' area. I come back in here, we sing some songs, you know, and then I go home and I eat roast beef. That's, that's what it's saying. That same old, we used to always do that when I was growing up. We'd go to church, we'd go home. Eat roast beef, I don't know, or tuna casserole, which was not good. But it's saying that same old constricting legislation is recognized as, I love this, obsolete. It's obsolete, and we are free of it. My prayer for you is that you would be free, that you would be free of that, that you would turn your face to God in such a way that he removes those barriers and that you recognize in an instant you have this encounter with him that he is real and that he wants to have a personal relationship with you. We need an encounter with God. And I'm gonna tell you why, and then I'm gonna tell you how. First, let me give you three whys, so to speak. The first one, if you wanna write this down, is this. We need wonder, not just words. We need wonder, not just words. Words, because some of you here today, you walked in this room, and the thing that you're facing, words can't fix. Words can't fix. The problem, the issue that you're having, words are not good enough. You need something more. You need something bigger. You need, you need power. And this is huge. I don't want you to miss this. There are, there are a lot of people out there saying some, some good things. They're wrong. But they're saying some good things. There are some wise people that, that are saying some good things. In fact, I would say this. There are some other religions out there that don't believe in the God that, that we believe in that are saying some things that would make you think, wow, that makes sense. They are. So how would you know, how would you 
know what's real. Unless one of them that really was actually real was backed up by something else. Was backed up by, by something that no one could deny. I'll be honest, there are a lot of arguments out there. Most of them are really wrong. But how would you personally know that? Just because I said so? No. Jesus says, I will confirm my stuff. That I will back my stuff up, he says, with signs and with wonders, that you're never gonna have to guess that my word is real, that my word is reliable, because I'm gonna back it up. We need more than just words. We need the wonder of God. We need the power of God. He always guaranteed that we would not have to wonder what was real. His word would be backed up with wonder. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. It says this. Uh, this is Paul writing, talking about, you know, God using him and, and his power in him. It says, I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. We're not with just great video, great lights. You know, let's go to church. Let's go home, eat roast beef. But it came with a what? Say it out loud. A demonstration. It came with a demonstration. It showed up in power. It showed up with wonder of the Spirit's power. Why? So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I love that. We need a group of people that are convinced, not just because someone said something was true about God, but because we know God and God has changed our lives with power. We need power that changes lives. I will submit to you tonight that many of you in this room, you don't need another church service. You don't need another Bible study. You don't need another prayer group. You don't need another worship time. You don't need to sing another song, come to church, go home, eat roast beef. You need more than that. You need more than that. You need wonder in your life. We need that. The second thing we need is an experience, not just an explanation. We need an experience, not an explanation. As you study through God's word, you find that every person that ever had a real God encounter, ever, every person in scripture and every person since then that has met God in that way, has truly experienced God, they have never questioned who God is again in their life. Never once have they doubted again. Why? Because once they encounter God in that light, they now know him in that way, and now their, their faith is not built on an intellectual level. Can I tell you something about me? There is no way that I could build my faith on my intellect alone. Like, that's scary. It's scary up there, y'all. It's scary. I'm just saying there's no way. And I have this theory that many people really would rather serve a God that they could wrap their mind around. They'd rather serve a God where they could understand, you know, the things that he was doing, understand why things would happen, understand, you know, what was going on. But I cannot build my faith alone on my understanding or my intellect. And if that's you, that that's the only way you're going to grab a hold of what God wants to do in your life. And if, you, if he, you can't explain it to yourself or someone can't explain it to you, then you're done with it. If that's always going to be your position, that everything you know about God has to fit inside your brain, then wouldn't it make sense that God can only be as big as your brain? Like, I need a bigger God than that. 
I need a God who is able to do immeasurably more than I could ask, think, or imagine. I need a God who is bigger than me. I need a God who I just can't explain away. I need an experience with him. But oftentimes we try to reduce God down to our own level of understanding. I love this story that, uh, that Jesus, where Jesus heals this guy who was born blind. Uh, everybody knew he was blind. He was blind from birth, so they knew him as the blind guy. And Jesus heals him, and then all of a sudden all these religious leaders show up. And it's the religious people that always have issue, take issue when supernatural things like that happen, when wonder, when power happens. It's those guys that always complain. And so they start interrogating this guy that was blind and saying, are you really healed? You know, are you sure you're, you're healed? You know, are you sure he healed you all the way? You know, were you blind before? Are you the same guy? How many fingers am I holding up? You know, they're waving in front of him, all that kind of stuff. And they realize that, yeah, God healed him, really did heal him. You know, he has his sight. And so now they, they, they turn it on Jesus, and they're like, so do you think he's God? Do you think that guy that healed you is really the son of God, you know, that, that, that he was the one that did that? And this is what it says in John 9. Finally, uh, they turned again to the blind man and said, what do you have to say about him? And this is how he replies. He says, look, look, I don't know. I don't know if he's God or if he's a sinner. I don't. No, but here's what I do know. I can see. I can see. I was blind, but now I see. Someone that has had a life-changing experience with God, there is no way that you can tell them that they didn't have that. He said, you know what? You can beat me. You can throw me in jail. You can lock me up. It doesn't matter because I can see. I can see. I say the greatest proof of the power of Jesus of the unexplainable is change lives. The greatest proof of the power of Jesus is, is you, is me. It's the fact that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That's the greatest proof that we have. We need an experience with God. You need an experience with God, not just an explanation. Many people, that's that's your veil. That's your veil. That's your barrier because you're trying to understand. You're trying to have God fit in this box. But we need an experience with him, not just an explanation. The third one is this. We need his presence, not just practice. We need presence, not just practice. Um, you know, even this church, even our church has gotten good at at doing church. In fact, I'm going to tell you something, and I don't really like telling you this. In fact, I hate telling you this. But we could create a church experience where you would leave here and you would feel like it impacted your life. You would feel, you would feel like uh, it, it left a mark on you. We could create a church experience that you would enjoy that God wouldn't even have to show up in. We can. We, we, know how to, we know how to do that. We know how to, you know, have a great moment. We know how to sing some songs and, and do some things. But you know what? As your pastor, that's never going to be good enough for me. I need something more than that. I don't need just to come in here and sing some songs and have some cool lights, have some cool videos, and have phenomenal preaching every single week. I need more than that. 
I need more. This church can become a liturgy just as easily as any other church could. But I need more. I'm hoping somebody in this room needs more than that. That we desire more. We desire the presence of God in our lives, not just this practice, not just this going through the motions, a routine every single week, checking a box that we need more. I'll never be satisfied with that. We always want to create environments where God will show, show up. We need to encounter God. In fact, I think, honestly, the true proof that, that God has shown up, that God has you know, been a part of, of what the service is, what we've experienced, isn't the bright lights, isn't the, the video, isn't the, you know, the burning bushes or you know, knocking people on the rear ends. I believe that the real proof is that there's this unspeakable joy that overwhelms you, just this joy, you know, that, that fills you up. In fact, when the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened in Acts chapter 2, Peter that, that led the events that day, who got to preach that message, he quotes Psalm 16, and this is what he says. He says, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. You know, my real prayer every time we gather is that you would leave this room and you would feel you would feel lighter you would feel fuller you would feel this this overwhelming sense of joy in your life because that's what the presence of god produces so those are the those are the the what's like the the why we need this why why we need an encounter with god the question is do you have a part to play in that do you have a role in those encounters with God, in those God moments, in that undescribable, you know, kind of joy moments in your life? Do you have a part to play in that, or does it just randomly happen? Does God just pick a night where you go to church, here, tonight's the night that you're going to have an encounter with me? Or do we have a part? I believe with all my heart that you have a part to play, that I have a part to play in that, because this is what I know. Jesus right now, he's casting seed. The Bible tells us that he's casting seed. He's scattering seed. And where that seed falls, is it going to take root? Because Jesus wants to produce things in your life. He wants to grow, you know, in your life. He wants to have, have movement in your life. He says this, I'm throwing seed, but sometimes it's falling on, on hostile environments. It's falling on hard ground, on, on rocky conditions. It's falling on heart conditions that aren't ready to receive it. So yeah, we have a part to play in that. We have a part to play. And I say that because the reason why many of us aren't encountering God is not because we're sitting around waiting on God. I believe he's waiting on you. I believe tonight in this moment that God's here. I believe his presence is always here. But I believe he's waiting on you. He's waiting on the preparation of the soil of your heart to do something significant in your life. Where Jesus is telling this parable of the seed and throwing it out and falling it on, on rocky ground, this is what it says in Matthew 13. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. How many times has that happened in your life? You come into church, you sit down, you hear a message, maybe you just are hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. 
They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts, and they would turn, and I would heal them. I believe for many of us tonight, the reason why maybe we haven't had those God encounters is because the condition of our heart. And so tonight, I'm just going to lead you as I close this through some ways I believe you can prepare for that. Some ways that you can prepare tonight as we get ready to engage in a, in a baptism service and, and see people who are going to go public with their, their faith tonight. There are some ways that you and I can prepare for an encounter with God because that's the real goal here every single week. The real goal is to create environments, whether you experience it or not, but to create opportunities for you to have that God encounter in your life. Hosea gives us the prescription, says this, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground, for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. So what do you do? You gotta break up that unplowed ground. Break up that, that hard heart condition. And then it says, just seek God, just seek God, just seek God. And I promise you, if you do those things, he will show up in your life. He will reveal himself to you. You got to break up that unplowed ground. Here's how you do it. Two words. The first word is desperation. The first word is desperation. God is looking for people who are not content to stay where they are. People who are hungry for something more. Now listen, if you're, if you're happy with where you are spiritually, if you're happy with your place in life, praise the Lord, I'm happy for you. Can I be honest with you? I'm not. I'm not. In fact, there's this, this massive um, expectation gap that I have sometimes when I feel like, you know, this is where I should be or this is what I should experience and I read God's word and I'm like, man, you know, there's all this stuff that's available to me. It's talking about this, this full life, this abundant life. You know, why am I not experiencing that on a daily basis? I want something more. This church was built and born out of the desire for people who wanted something more. In fact, that's why we call it Elevate Church, not just because we want to elevate God's name in our city, but because I believe God wants to take you to new heights as well. That God wants to move you as well. That God wants to bring you to new altitudes. We are not satisfied with more of the same. You know what more of the same gets you? Gets you more of the same. And this church was built with this expectation that we wanted something more. And that happens when you become desperate for it. When you decide with your heart, I'm going to be desperate. You're going to kind of break up that unplowed ground. And one of the ways to do that is desperation. Desperation is the preparation for an encounter with God. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. That hunger for it. Those people that hunger for it, those people that want it, those people that are going to go after it, he says they will be filled. Are you desperate tonight? Or is this just another church experience? Come to church, you know, check a box, sing some songs, go home, eat roast beef. Are you desperate? 
Did you show up tonight really expecting God to move in your life, to do something different, to have this encounter with God? That's the first word is desperation. The second word is humility. Is humility. Um, nothing, nothing other than pride. There's nothing like pride that will get in the way between you and in, in, in an encounter with God. There's nothing else. Pride is one of those things that will keep you from encountering God. And here's the reality. Some of you in this room, um, you don't even know you've done it. You don't even know that maybe you have this in your heart. You've drawn these lines in the sand, and here's what you've said. God, I'll do anything, and I'll give you everything but that thing. Like that thing, don't touch that thing. That thing is my thing. God, I'm good with all this other stuff except for that. You're like, what's that? I don't know what that is for you. It could be. It, whatever that is, it's the veil. It's the barrier that separates you from God. Maybe it could be some, some sin that you've yet to repent of. You've yet to just confess and to be free of. Maybe it's, maybe it's taking another step in worship. Maybe it's when we sing these songs and we have this, you know, encounter time with God. It's lifting your hands. And some of you are like, well, I'll, I'll do anything but that. That's your thing. That's, that's that pride thing. You're like, I don't, why am I going to do that? You know, why, why should I do that? Well, that's what God actually asks us to do. It's not something Colby made up. It's not something this church made up. God says, hey, come into my sanctuary with, with hands lifted high. I want men of God to raise holy hands. Like, that's what God asks out of us. I don't know what that thing is for you. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe there are those of you that that's, that's one of those steps that you're just like, you know what, I'll do anything but that. I surrender my life to follow Christ. I just, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't need to do that. And I'm not saying you need to do it. It's not salvation. But for me, I got baptized in 2002, really late in life honestly. But for me, it was kind of that catalyst event that kind of set me, set me on this path towards ministry. This is something I never thought I'd ever be doing. What is, what is that thing for you? That thing that's keeping you from an encounter with God? That thing that you would say, no, 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 I'll do anything but that. Do you know Jesus had a, I'll do anything but that moment? In the Bible, he was in the garden getting ready to go to the cross to die for my sin, to die for your sin too, by the way. And he said, God, is there another way? I don't, I don't do that. I don't do the cross thing. You know what? Is there another way we can, you know, pay and cover the sins of the world, just not the cross? And then he prayed this prayer, and this is the prayer that some of you in this room tonight, you need to pray. He said, Dad, I'm sorry. Not my will, but your will be done. Some of you, the most godly thing that you can do in this room to remove some of that pride is to say, you know what? I'm sorry, God. I've been holding on to that thing, but no longer, not my will, your will be done. What, what is that thing for you? What is that thing that's keeping you from an encounter with God tonight? That thing. You'll never encounter God I believe as long as you decide that you're going to do it your way. 
there are people here tonight, you want God, but you want him on your terms. Like you want, you want heaven, because you certainly don't want to go to hell, right? We want heaven, I want that place. But you want God on your terms. So count you in for that. But doing this other thing, I'm not, I'm not for that. I'll skip this one, I'll do, I'll do this, but I'm not going to do that. And you want God, but you want him your way. Let me ask you a question. Where has your way landed you anyway? Maybe it's time for some of you tonight to finally come home, to finally cross that line of faith and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and say, I'm tired of doing it my way. And get rid of that pride. Tonight, that little nudge that you're feeling, that spirit in your heart, that's, that's God's spirit trying to break up, you know, to try to plow that, that hard heart as he's casting seed in your life because he wants to produce something more in you. Pride says it's all about me. Humility, on the other hand, says, okay, God, if you said it, I'll do it. I'll do it your way. The only job that you have tonight is you got to want it. If you want an encounter with God, you got to be desperate and you got to be humble. You got to be desperately humble tonight. So I want to give you an opportunity. Somebody gave me an opportunity a long time ago to pray and receive Jesus into my life and, and have a new start and a fresh start and I've never been the same since. And every time we, we do this at church, this is not one of those things that we just go through the motions and do. This is an opportunity for those of you that tonight God wants to just grab a hold of your life for you to have an encounter with him, to engage in that. Yes, we're gonna do baptisms in a moment. And those of you that have signed up for that, get ready, that's gonna be an awesome time. But tonight you make the decision to give your life to Christ. Man, you can get baptized too. You can get baptized too, tonight, right here and right now. And I'll tell you how in just a moment. Would you bow your heads with me tonight as we prepare to encounter all that God has for you in this room, all that God has for us together in this room. For those of you that are getting ready to get baptized to take this opportunity, man, just to seek God, seek him, seek him, go after him, be desperate for him. The Bible says if you seek him, you're going to find him. He's there. He wants to have an encounter with you right where you are in this room tonight, one like you've never had before in your life. I believe that with all my heart, that God wants to speak to you and meet you right where you are. And for those of you that are far from God, because this church exists for people who are far from God, and to see them reach their full potential in Christ. Those of you that tonight, you would say, I'm far from God, tonight you can be extremely close to him. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv. 